This is WQA Radio, a podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Three, two, one. And hello, I'm your host, Wes Bleed. So while we should be really, really proud of all that we have accomplished, we still have a lot of work to do. I believe that the single biggest challenge and opportunity for the water sector is seizing this moment to make permanent the recent massive federal investment in the water sector. That's WQA keynote speaker May Stevens at the WQA convention and exposition in Las Vegas. And welcome to WQA Radio, the weekly podcast of the Water Quality Association, promoting better water quality around the world. This is episode number 319, and this podcast is sponsored by Aqua Finance. Visit aquafinance.com to see how, together, we can bring dreams to life. If you're a first-time listener or new to the industry, welcome. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a show. We call it the magic of podcasting. And be sure to share the podcast with someone you know. We're publishing this May 17th of 2023. Find us at wqa.org, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And in this episode, we feature a portion of May Stevens' remarks as the keynote speaker at the WQA convention in Las Vegas in April. May is Senior Vice President of Banner Public Affairs, WQA's new government affairs firm in Washington, D.C. She talks about public policy and funding for water treatment in Washington, her work on the infrastructure bill, and why she believes the water treatment industry is poised for new opportunities in the future. We'll also feature the first overview of the new WQA Consumer Opinion Study. WQA Associate Executive Director Tom Bursma covered the highlights at the keynote session. Later, our Motivational Minute and WQA Tip. First up is Tom Bursma with the 2023 Consumer Opinion Study highlights on WQA Radio. I want to get us started by sharing with you the first public release of our 2023 Consumer Opinion Study. I think many of you know we do this study every two years, and we now have two decades of consumer trends which are extremely important for our industry. First, this year's survey found that consumers seem to be far more concerned in general about their water supply, focus on supply, compared to all past studies. This year, 34% were very concerned compared to 23% in 2021, with an additional 24% were concerned compared to only 15% in 2021. When it comes to perceptions of household tap water, so different than supply, focusing on tap water, this year almost 60% of households think their tap water is safe versus 57% in 2021. However, 20% still thought their tap water is not as safe as it should be versus only 15% in 2021. We continue to see more consumers who have a water filtration system apart from a refrigerator filter in their homes. This year, almost half of households reported having a water filtration system, whereas in 2021, only 40% had one. Bottled water usage, which had been slipping in previous studies, remained similar in 2020 
2021, with seven in, 20, seven in 10 households purchasing bottled water. Almost half did so because of taste and the other primary driver was convenience. Finally, lack of knowledge and cost concerns are two of the major deterrents among those who currently do not have a water treatment product. Overall, two-thirds said they would consider installing a water treatment product if they undertake a major home improvement. And that was WQA Associate Executive Director Tom Bursma with an overview of the Consumer Opinion Study. Go to wqa.org cos to download your copy. And now we'll hear from Mae Stevens, the keynote speaker at the WQA Convention and Exposition. I want you all to realize that despite what you might see on, on cable news, there is bipartisan desire in Washington to pass some really big transformative bills in this water space. I truly believe that this is water's moment and the future of the water sector is very bright. But we must seize this moment and we must turn this moment into momentum. So today I wanna to talk to you about how we got to this moment in the first place and what we need to do moving forward. There's gonna be slides, I promise it won't be boring, I promise. Before the Clean Water Act and the Safe Drinking Water Act, there were neither significant federal protections nor funding for water in this country. But back in 1972, Congress passed the Clean Water Act and followed that up two years later with the Safe Drinking Water Act. The Clean Water Act provided a total of $60 billion in grants over the next 15 years to invest in our nation's water infrastructure. And these were grants, great. But however, in 1987, the grant program was changed to the state revolving loan fund that we have today. That change meant that the financial burden of investing in our nation's water infrastructure shifted from the federal government and onto everyday people like you and me paying our monthly water bills. And this happened at the same time that the cost of providing safe, reliable water and wastewater services began increasing dramatically because of climate change, uh, emerging contaminants, aging infrastructure, and so much more. In 1977, federal investment in water infrastructure peaked at 63% of total funding. But by 2020, the, that balance had dri tipped dramatically, and the federal government was at, had fallen to an all-time low. The federal investment had fallen to an all-time low, below 5%. So, the federal government was now paying less than 5% of all of our investment in our nation's water infrastructure, with the other 95% of investment coming from people like you and me. I want to put this into perspective for a minute, because this is a much smaller share than other types of infrastructure. So if you take roads and bridges, for example, by law, 80% of every surface transportation project in this country is paid for by the federal government, 20% by state and local government. So 80% federal, 20% state and local. Water infrastructure investment is 5% federal government, 95% people paying their water bills. So that brings us to the last few years. The bipartisan infrastructure law passed in November 2021, and it was the largest ever investment in water infrastructure in the history of the United States. It invested $55 billion in water infrastructure over five years, including funding for water treatment systems. We should all be really, really proud of this. 
But to put this into context, recent estimates say we need about a trillion dollars, that's a trillion with a T, in federal investment over the next 20 years, just to bring our water systems into a state of good repair. And this estimate does not even include emerging contaminants like climate change and PFAS. So while we should be really, really proud of all that we have accomplished, we still have a lot of work to do. I believe that the single biggest challenge and opportunity for the water sector is seizing this moment to make permanent the recent massive federal investment in the water sector. Another extraordinary challenge and opportunity is ensuring that everyone has access to safe, reliable, and affordable drinking water. I'm gonna pull some out right now. Um, this is one of the reasons that I am so proud to be working with WQA because of your focus on the Healthy H2O Act. This bill, which you have championed, would provide grants for water treatment systems to low-income people who are on wells. And this is really important because more and more people are turning to well private wells for their source of drinking water. Sorry. <laughs> One fun fact, one not fun fact that I, want to sh that I want to share, you all may know this, but this really blows a lot of people's minds. There are more than two million people in this country, not globally, in this country, who do not have access to running water in their homes. And that number is growing. Two million people who do not have access to running water and growing. It's 2023, this is the United States. That is completely unacceptable. Many of these folks are in extremely rural communities and they're going to need to rely on decentralized water and sanitation to meet their needs. The US uh, is, is working to give them the access that they deserve and they're going to need to use point of use and point of entry products to ensure that their water is safe. For those of us on centralized systems, as I said before, 95% of the cost of maintaining and upgrading those systems has shifted to regular people like us paying our monthly water bills. And at the same time that the federal share of water investment is decreasing, income inequality has been skyrocketing. So for the top 1% of households in the US, like the Roy family and, the, and Succession, if you're watching Succession like I am, their income has more than tripled since 1979. However, for 90% of households, like us normal people, our income has barely outpaced inflation. And so that has happened, that barely outpacing inflation has happened at the same time as over 95% of the financial burden of keeping our water safe has been transferred onto us. The reality is that the poorest families in our communities are the ones bearing the biggest impact, creating for many an agonizing choice between paying for water and for other essentials like food and medicine. And this is obviously an untenable situation for low-income families, but it's also an untenable situation for their entire community and the nation as a whole. Because if you get your water from a public utility like the vast majority of Americans do, growing income inequality means that an increasing number of people in every one of our communities are gonna have a harder and harder time paying our water bills, and that's gonna have an effect on the quality and reliability of water for everyone who uses that system. This is why I have long supported a nationwide permanent low-income assistance program to help people pay their water bills and get the water treatment that they need. And our Motivational Minute. We just wrapped up another convention, and as you may know, our theme was momentum. We've seen a lot of momentum in the industry in just the past year, haven't we? 
And we continue to see that momentum build during convention. The industry is growing. The need for point-of-use and point-of-entry water filtration solutions is self-evident. Technology is advancing. The show this year had the most international exhibitors since 2019. So our job as we get back to work is to keep that momentum going. Put into practice what you learned. If you were unable to attend, take a look at the WQA website for where you can get plugged in. And if you haven't yet joined WQA, but you've been thinking about it, now's the time to become a member of the Water Quality Association. Our WQA tip, WQA offers instructor-led training courses that can get professionals well on the pathway toward professional certification. WQA instructors with real-world experience in point-of-use and point-of-entry water treatment lead the discussions and answer questions and encourage the sharing of ideas in the live interactive Zoom sessions. New classes are starting soon for May and July. Go to wqa.org education to learn more and sign up. And this podcast was sponsored by Aqua Finance. Visit aquafinance.com to see how, together, we can bring dreams to life. Thanks for listening to WQA Radio, a podcast of the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Remember, you can subscribe to WQA Radio on most popular podcast apps. Learn more about water at WQA.org and, of course, learn about WQA product certification, professional certification, and how you can become a member at WQA.org. This is Wes Bleed. So long from WQA Radio.